It's time for the Total Sports Quinty Podcast with your hosts, Randy Ewens and Mike Bond. We're celebrating sports and athletes from the Quinty region and beyond. Get ready for the Total Sports Quinty Podcast. Okay, so we're back, Randy, and we're at, we got some special guests. This is episode twenty-four. We've been going for a while now, but uh, how are we doing tonight? We're great. We're great. I'm excited about tonight. It's something I've been wanting to do for a while, and um, we got excuse me. Like we mentioned, we got a couple of special guests, and I'll, I'll get to it. What I wanted to do for a long time is talk about hockey development, and we've got some great hockey development people in the in the in the area. Um, I want to talk about, you know, who's out there, not really speak of what's going on more, more about, I really want to talk about giving parents advice on how to find the right people and, and to ask the right questions and, you know, what's going on during the pandemic. So, you know, now to set my biases out before we get going, I'm no longer involved. There was, I was involved with a group that was providing some hockey uh, development. I'm no longer involved. So I have no biases right now. (laughs) other than the two guys I'm bringing on right now who are part of our, our Dukes organization as well as others. But, um, you know, I just want to have a nice round table and we'll have a chat about it. So I'm really pleased to bring on Derek Smith, who's our head coach with the uh, Wellington Dukes. Derek, how are you? Hey, ready? Hey, Mike. Thanks hey. for having me on, guys. Uh, it's awesome to have you. And and we also have Chris Longo, who is assistant coach with the Kings X and also a skill provider with our – well, Chris – Randy, Mike, good to be on. <laughs> so this is exciting for me. I know um, Mike has been in the past. He was the head of uh, Sterling Minor Hockey, and he's been a goalie. He's had read kids through the system. We've all kind of lived through it, and we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly of minor hockey. So I know a lot of parents, they go into this stuff, and they kind of, you know, they, they go out. They want the best for their kids. They want to put them into situations where they're going to succeed, and, um, they, they try to find these skill providers. And I'm talking, when I say skill providers, I'm talking about guys who are putting their shingle out and actually doing it full time or even part time and earning money, you know, basically putting kids on the ice and running them through. So it could be anywhere from having 60 kids on the ice for a session to having six kids or one kid. Those are people that are out there. There's a number of them in, in our area in Ontario. And, you know, people are, are looking for how to find the best one and how to get the best one. So, you know, during this pandemic, one of the things that came out, there's a great article in The Athletic um, that was written about our local QRD, and it outlines what uh, Quinny Red Devils are doing for the teams during this sort of pause. And you guys are a big part of that, Chris and uh, Derek, and and, and uh, we've also got um, Manor from the, the Bevel Sense. So, Derek, can you tell us how that started? You know, what's what's the what's the initiative? How you know what direction it's supposed to go for the for the local teams? Well, on my end, it all started with with Chris Longo here. What he's done over the the past few years and working with a lot of the the minor hockey players and the junior players and pro players to you know try to take their game to the next level with skill development, edge work, um, you know, tight areas and just try to get the most out of every session he has with the kids. He has a great plan and great progression. So um, it's something that I started with him just when I was finishing up my pro career. And I've seen how far he's kind of um, helped some kids in, in some young years. And when the pandemic started, he's always looking about ways he can help the community and, and help ways uh, the players can get better. And, um, he came to me with this plan that he had for Quinny to kind of, uh, you know, to help out all the organization, all the different levels. And um, it sounded like a great plan that we discussed and sat down. And um, it started this week, and we've been out with a few teams. And it's kind of just a progression plan that, you know, this is the first week. And every two weeks, we, it's broken up into segments. And we kind of reevaluate where we're at, where the teams are at, and the players. And uh, we'll just go from there. But, um, this is a tough situation for everybody, not just in the hockey world, but um, I guess you just got to make the most of it. And Chris has a great plan here and we have a good staff and, and good people that are going to help out with it. And hopefully the kids can get the most out of it. So if, if I can ask then, just so I understand the program fully, you, you've worked with Quinny Red Devils, Meyer Hockey, and 
they've have they picked their team? They picked their teams, and then they're going to work on development with uh, with you guys uh, in lieu of, I guess, practice time and stuff as a team because you know the the minor hockey's not going right now. Is that right? This might be a better uh, yeah for you to answer this one. Yeah, you, you know what? It, it, it's uh, the, the funny thing is they haven't necessarily picked their team. I think what happened through uh, Hockey Canada OHF, they basically put a guideline saying that um, obviously they, they can't have a lot of kids out on the ice at the time. You're not going to be able to put a tryout process in place. So they just basically said that uh, so if you were on that uh, Quinty AAA team last year, basically that's the group that's going to be able to um, to be in that little bubble. There's no outside kids coming in that want to try out. It's just the group that was uh, signed under contract um, from the previous year. Okay. So we decided, uh, you know what, um, instead of practicing and systems and stuff uh, that the coaches are going to put in place, well, they don't really have their team necessarily picked because there hasn't been that tryout process. Uh, talking with RD about different ways uh, to get the team out onto the ice and uh, not run them through systems because that, you know, who knows when the trial process is that even going to happen. It could be December, it could be January. Uh, hopefully it's going to be sooner than later, but uh, it, it's just something that we said uh, – you know, we're going to uh, put something in place. We're going to run development for these kids. But unfortunately, it's, you know, you've got that small little bubble that you had to play on that AAA team uh, from the previous year. Okay, so is that um, – are other – associations doing that i'm just not i'm not i'm out of minor hockey yeah, now i'm not involved so i'm just curious what what all the small towns like sterling or quinney is like triple a obviously but there's all the levels are is there different variations of this kind of thing happening everywhere or is it is this kind of yeah. unique to quinney yeah no it's it, it, it is happening everywhere um the the thing that's i i guess to to simplify things i, I think it you know, with the pandemic, they've said, okay, the organizations and these kids can join their team, um, you know, obviously, and be in that bubble, and there's no outside sources. But the smaller communities, I think, you know, it's fairly simple because you've had your 06 team and or 05 team, and it's, it's probably a lot of the same kids as long as they played in that age group that they're all under that same health system. Uh, the unique thing about Quinny, the, the Red Devils, you've you've got such a broad area that they're uh, coming in from that you're seeing different uh, health districts, and I think there's three of them within the QRD uh, program. So they had to. It, it's a little unique that way, and that's where they said, okay, you know, for you guys, you know, it's basically the guys that were from last year's team. And that's going to be the kids that are going to be allowed to be out on the ice. And I think that's a lot to do with insurance purposes. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. I, you know, it's interesting too, Mike, um, to, to Chris's point, there are, every organization is coming up with a plan. Some of them have rolled out now. Some are going to be rolling out. Nobody has a, a perfect roadmap. Um, Quinty's been identified as one that seems to have a really strong. And I was just saying that, that, um, the, the whole idea of, of the two guys that we have on the phone here being uh, um, as strong as they are, and we'll talk about that later, but what's really cool about what Quinny's doing is unique to everybody else is that they have um, they've identified that this is an opportunity as opposed to being, a, you know, a lot of people are looking at it like we may lose a year of development, not in the case of Quinty where they, they view this as an opportunity to spend more time on skills and do things that to make things better, make it better for the players and maybe make look at it as an opportunity. When you look at it over the course of a kid's lifespan from the time they're seven to 17, they're probably playing 60 games a year per year over the course of 10 years, that's 600 games. If they only played 25 games this year, that's still 565 games that they would have played in their minor hockey career. So it's really games are such a small piece of what we're doing. It's about practice and making sure that the practices are functional and they're, they're doing proper development and getting the right people in place is probably the biggest, the biggest issue. So Chris, can you speak to what 
you guys are going to be doing with the teams? Like, is what's the mandate for? Um, is it going to be a lot of skating? Is it going to be a blend of everything? Are you going to break it down into forwards and defense? What's what's going to be the offering for each team? I know you're limited to 45 minutes per per skate. Yeah, well, we were uh, we, like Derek said earlier. We're we just started this week, but the plan we had in place and, you know, the, the, the way and the reason this is so unique is that we have guys that are able to uh, join the development team that there would be no way because of uh, time restrictions with training camp that would be going on right now in the national hockey league, uh, you know, the American league getting ready to start their training camp at the end of September. Um, you know, so uh, Troy, Troy and, um, and David Bell were, were more than willing um, to come in, and they were great assets. They're a different voice. They have different uh, different approaches, and I think was really important. And the same thing for Derek uh, coming in and, and Jason Saprika to be able to, you know, come from their branches of where they're coming and from and players that they're working with at different levels um, and giving their, their, uh, their touch onto the players on – on development, you know, Derek's really good with the, uh, you know, talking about defense and the positioning and adding that skill set on what these guys should be doing. So we thought the best way to really roll this out for now, and, and it will evolve to different things, but the first couple of weeks we're breaking the groups off into three sections or three groups, you know, keeping the groups into groups of five to six players. So the ratio is small. And, um, you know, we've got a group of, uh, Defenseman 6D, and you know Derek will start with them, and Jason and I will will take uh, take the forwards, and same with uh, with Troy and, uh, and and David. We'll just we'll, we'll put them into uh, you know different age groups, obviously each night, and um, we're just kind of rolling 12, 15 minutes with the kids, and um, really kind of putting our stamp on them on on different skill sets that we're working for on uh, that day. I, I know that, you know, and one of the things that I appreciate about you two guys um, and and Manor as well uh, and Soupy, you know, as well, all, all four of you guys do a great job of when you're on the ice making corrections along the way. And, I, you know, not just letting them run through drills. Like there's – they talk about it takes 10,000 touches to master a skill and and you know if you're doing it wrong 10,000 times it's not going to make you a better hockey player so that would happen to me <laughs> so, so yes yeah, one of those things where having someone to you know stop the drill or or to identify them and correct while it's going is so important and you know often we see I see different people running running drill sessions or whatever, and they've got a million pylons on the ice. Um, they've got kids going a million different ways. There's no correction going on, um, and it just becomes a you know a, a conditioning skate in a lot of way. And and then you'll see parents afterwards go, "Wow, that was a fantastic skate. They were sweating so hard up there, but did anything get accomplished?" And I think Chris, can you speak to you know what you do with edge work and really slowing things down and how important that is for um, building those foundations. And then also afterwards, I want Smitty, if you could talk about the whole idea of progressions in, in, in how we're coaching um, both those two points that you guys do very well. Well, you, you see a lot of that. And um, you know, the, I, I, I guess the biggest thing is, is perception. And I always say that is that what it looks like on the other side of the glass is always a key factor of actually getting these parents to buy into what you're doing. And when you've got a lot of pylons, you're making turns and you're, you know, it's going fast and it looks like great drills and they could be great drills, but to really, you know, if you're just going through them fast and you're just accomplishing drill to start just get through it to get to the end and shoot a puck and you're messy in between uh, you really it just creates a lot of bad habits and as you progress as a player and you get to older levels higher levels um, you don't you don't to me you don't excel you don't become a better player um, you know maybe you just have natural ability maybe you just have fast twitch muscles and that's why you're fast at that point but if you continue to do the wrong things, um, you know, it, it just, it catches up to you at some point and you know, your, your, your dream just comes to an end. And, 
um, you don't progress to another level. And, and for me, I want to see all these kids succeed. So my approach is to slow it right down. Let's get it correct. Um, let's do it over and over. You know, it may look slow at first, and it is. Um, there's a lot of correction that goes on. Um, I want to make sure the technique is right. So then when we do speed things up, the kids can execute a high skill level at good speed, you know, and create a separation from, you know, with themselves from other players. Um, I think that's really key. There's a lot of good players out there. And I think uh, building a really strong foundation, it's a lot easier to build when you're, you've got that solid foundation, you've built it, you've done it nice and slow. And as they're ready, you know, all of a sudden those next levels and those next steps just kind of fall into place because you've built a strong foundation. Smitty, can you speak to like progressions and, and how that, you know, you start with something small and then you work, work it with it from that platform up. I, I just, a quick story. I, I remember working with, with my daughter's team had called me and asked if I would come out and I did some shooting. They're all like seven years old at the time. And, um, I, there was a dad that was behind the glass and I could tell he was freaking out because I was starting, you know, the sort of the old traditional transfer the weight from the back foot to the front foot and all that kind of thing. And, and because they're so at that time, they're so small and little, they're not strong enough to do the new style of shooting. So it's one of those things where you're building the blocks to get them up. And I had to have a chat with dad to make him understand that you can't teach your seven year old how to shoot like Sidney Crosby, unfortunately. Um, so, <laughs> you were just saying go so, high and hard, right? Randy, that's your whole philosophy that, anyway. That, so, can, you, can you speak to that Derek about, you know, how important that is? Yeah, I think what makes hockey such a, a fun sport is is just everybody that's involved is like their will to win and their will to compete. And, um, you know, from being a player and now a coach, um, you know, every time you go on the ice, you want to win. And, and sometimes we all get caught up in the results and not so much the process. And one thing that I've really learned since I've been behind the bench in the three years in Wellington was when I was playing <clears> – <throat> you're competing every day in practice against your buddies, against your teammates. And it really doesn't matter what you do, especially in a one-on-one drill, as long as you win it. Even when I was in the NHL, it was, if I have somebody coming down on me, I really don't care how I do it. As long as I can win that battle, get a stick on the puck, finish my check, I'm happy. Then I go to the end of the line and then I, the coaches are looking at me and maybe it bought me an extra couple of minutes of ice time. But now that I'm you know behind the bench and, and trying to really make sure that we're getting the most out of the development for the kids, you have to spend the time on breaking things down and giving the kids enough confidence that, you know what, practice is to get better. We want hard work and we want to make sure that we're getting the most out of it, but getting beat in practice and, and fumbling pucks in practice and, and, you know, having a video session and having the wrong answers, that, that's okay because those are the times where we need to mature and those are the times where we need to develop and get better. So the biggest thing for me is, especially to say we're working on one-on-ones with offensive and defense and they're coming down, the guy's coming down on the defenseman. You know what? Don't cheat. Let's not cross over three or four times just so we can win that battle. It's about having the proper technique from your skating, your stick positioning, your shoulder positioning, head up. And if you get beat, that's okay. You might get beat in October, November, and December. And that's, that's okay as long as you're working in the right direction because by the time January comes and you're getting ready for the stretch drive of playoffs and – you know what, you might have the best positioning now and you're not going to get beat when it matters most. And it's th- those are the biggest things that I think that we lose track of in hockey and especially minor hockey is there's so much emphasis on winning and not as much as on the process of development. And if you can break everything down, like you said, Randy, if it's, you know, your skating stride, uh, how you shoot the puck, how you can handle the puck and really, really attack everything from the bottom up and break it back down again. By the time it get, they get kids get older and they get into their teens, they get to junior you know what, they're going to be better off in the long run. The results might not be as big when they start out. You might not be the best player as a nine-year-old and scoring 15 goals a game. But by the time you're 15 or 16, it's, it will have paid off. And that all starts with the development team and the coaches and, and the parents just giving the kids enough time to process the information and really work at getting better. It's a great point. Mike? Got yeah. Any questions? So I was just wondering, um, and I guess we'll start with Derek, but then Chris, you can, you can talk about it too. I, I've heard people talking about this on radio, whatever, but just the idea that everything's kind of delayed now with the pandemic on. And so, but now there's, there possibly could be a huge 
uh, I guess, emphasis on skills development, because that's really all anyone can do right now. So they're, they're doing their exercise, whatever, but they can get out on the ice and just work on skills. There's not the opportunity to play games. And there's a huge emphasis on games, I think, in minor hockey and all that. Do you, do you, what do you think of that? Like, do you think there's a potentially here, there's going to be a group of kids because of this where their skills are just that much better because that's really all they can focus on right now? I think over the past you know, decade, the skill level of the players today is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, you look at the NHL every year, it just gets faster, more skilled. The one-on-one talent is unbelievable. It's, it's so fun to watch. And the same thing with minor hockey. We were on the ice on Monday night with, what was that, Longs, the 2011 team, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're Adams. And the way they skate and move the puck is, you know, it's head and shoulders above what we were in Peewee 20 years ago. So um, I guess the biggest thing it comes down to is you have to have the right people in place if you really want to get the most out of it to make sure that the skills are working on also transfer into a, a team environment because you can go out there and stick handle and pick the puck up on your stick, like a lacrosse, like a lacrosse stick all you want. But if you're not working on the ice with other players, learning how to pass the puck, receive the puck um, and really work together and read off of each other, you know, you're not going to be successful as you get older. And as teams start to work together as five man units on the ice defensively. So um, this, this skill development, this time here during the pandemic is going to be fantastic for the kids and, and for the teams, but it's, it just also comes down to some accountability of, of making sure that if you're going to be out there on the ice and realistically spending the money it costs now is to do your research and, and really find the people that have your child or your team's best interests at heart, because, um, there's a lot of good people out there that can definitely help. I, I, I love what you said there because I, I remember one of the first hockey schools I worked at, I think I was 16 or so, 17, and uh, Ray Shepard, who was an unbelievable sniper, you know, back in the day, was at the hockey school. He was one of the big names, and he was there, and, and I think it was Wally Washtrak was the, the other counselor, and they're doing a demonstration on how to shoot, and Ray Shepard basically walked up and just went bar down and then picked every post. And it was unbelievable to watch him shoot. And that was what he was just doing to the kids, how he shot. He, he couldn't, he couldn't articulate how he actually did that to the kids. The kids went, Ooh, ah, it was impressive, but he couldn't tell them or teach them. Now Wally Washcrack steps in and starts to explain exactly what he just did and demonstrated it in such a way that the kids got it. And in, that's the difference. I, and I, I'm not saying that everybody has to play NHL to be a great coach. Like obviously you guys have blended the fact that you're great teachers and you've got all that, that pro experience, but you know, a guy like Hitchcock obviously never, never did anything but hang around the rink all the time. Um, but he's considered a great coach. So I'm not saying you have to be from an NHL background, but there's a lot of guys with pro backgrounds that are out doing skill development that aren't teachers that are, that struggle with the ability to teach kids. And, and then we go the other way where we've got guys who really have, you know, in the market offering skills who haven't even actually played hockey at all and, and are claiming to have backgrounds in with NHL teams and everything else. And they're out convincing people to spend money with them as well. So, you know, how do you do, how do, how do we direct parents to find these good guys that are out there like yourselves and, you know, Jeff Bateman's another great one that's out there. How do you find these people on word of mouth? Is it, you know, what are you looking for? Are you, how do you, how do you recognize that there is someone that actually knows what they're doing? Chris, you know, what? I'll, I'll, I, I, that's a tough one, right? Like different guys offer different things um, on, on the development side of things. You know, for me, I just think it, it takes time to build the reputation and um, you know, make sure it's a good one. And I, I think for me, uh, just just seeing the players that that development coach has worked with before, and if there's you know a, a common denominator where these players are coming out from working with this group or individual and they're having success and they are getting better. There's a progression plan in place. You know, I, I just think, um, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, you know, trying to sell yourself or you know, posting stuff online with different drills that you're doing, you know, again, it's, it's smoke and mirrors. I think uh, a lot of the time, I just think you, you, you have to do the research and, and talk to people that have been around for a little while and, 
know, if their kids have been involved and worked with a certain development coach and um, they've had success and they've been doing the right thing, I I think word of mouth, uh, you know, it's a a slower process to grow, but I think, um, you know, you need to talk to people and ask uh, what's going on and, and, and what really is the, is the best um, path to take and, and who can provide that. No, it's that's such a great point. Like you look at, you know, once again, I'll obviously show some bias to you, Chris, but some of the players that we brought in this year as 16-year-olds are, are disciples of yours. You know, Aaron Brown is a kid that, you know, was up and down with the between the the double A team and the triple A team for a few years and then suddenly makes the jump and ends up being drafted third round into the O and, and has an NCAA scholarship as a sixteen year old and, and one of our six year old cards. And he's a great example of a kid that put the time in and, and worked with you and, and went through the what needed to be done and you know obviously worked with Smitty as well. So he's a great example and finding you know finding parallels for your kids of, you know, look at players like that, look who they're dealing with, see, watch them get better and, and, and see what, you know, what it takes, what your child needs. Cause your point point is really well taken. Every kid needs something specific. Some kids may naturally have some gifts um, and they need to work on those other things that maybe certain skill providers can provide. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Mike? Or No, I'm just, I, I'm thinking about this and this is kind of a, a, a left turn a bit, but um Adam Oates is obviously one of the big names and skills development coaches. Now he does it for a lot of NHL players. And I heard an interview with him and he's a pretty interesting guy. I mean, he's, he's very opinionated. Um, but one thing that I found was really interesting, I'm curious either Derek or Chris to, to talk about this, but he was mentioning how the stick length was such a big factor for him in avoiding things like concussions and getting hit like he he, one thing that drove him crazy in watching uh players and how they play is how they um allow themselves to get hit more than they should and even he tied that right into stick length i don't know if you guys are up on that you probably know way more about this than i do but it was a fascinating little bit of kind of inside info that i i'd never really thought about that's a good point um I guess everybody, it's it's different of just what their preference is. I know that, you know, you see a lot of, I guess, what they would call skill forwards. They want to use a smaller stick to handle pucks in tight. But for me, I was a defenseman, but I used a really, really tall stick because um, it helped me, you know, obviously defensively having good stick on puck and, and tightening gaps. But I worked on my hands a lot outside my body. And when my stick's longer, I have a a bigger wheelhouse to accept passes. I can stick handle outside my body. And then once you get kind of used to using your feet a little more, you can handle the pucks in tight. So I guess it's all just personal feel. Um, Everybody's got their own way they want to do things. But I mean, for me personally, if you can use a longer stick, I think that's a great idea because it's just going to make you bigger out on the ice. It's going to give you a bigger wheelhouse for accepting passes. And then obviously it's just going to make your whole target area a lot better and a lot bigger. What do you think, Longs? Oh, I think that's a good point. You know, like especially when it comes to a stick, you know, it, it is preference. And you know, for me as a forward, um, uh, you know, I always liked a little bit smaller of a stick, not a real short one, but something was right around my chin. And I, I always did. A, I was always stuck in the corners, and I always thought I was able to, you know, control and handle a puck. Um, better with a smaller stick and to stay lower um, and not present myself high with a taller stick. So my preference was a lower, um, uh, just, uh, just a smaller stick. Um, you know, I, I did try at times to go a little bit longer with, uh, with my stick, but you know, I, I had a tougher time controlling the pucks in those tight areas. So again, it, it, it's preference. Some of the, the, the smaller guys, you know, the sticks are taller than they are and they have great control. Maybe my hands just weren't that good. Uh, you had pretty- I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you should check um, out that interview though. Just, uh, it's, it was Elliot Friedman, and Jeff Merrick on 31 thoughts there. And they, it was in the summer when kind of everything was dead and it was a long interview with Oates and it was, it was pretty fascinating. Like I say, he's, He's got uh, no, no, shor- no shortage of confidence in the man, I'll say. 
but it, there's some I, pretty. I did, I did hear that interview, Mike. Oh yeah, I was, I was I was laughing at it because you no, know, he's a pretty confident guy. <laughs> to say the least, to be confident. But I, I I have he's really about protection, you know, yeah. protecting your body and staying uh, you know injury free. And uh, you know he does a lot of that stuff. The skill set is basically put yourself in a position to uh, you know, protect pucks, be a good player, but uh, at the same time stay safe. So I got a little segment I want to do with you guys. And uh-huh. it can be it's called my pet peeve segment. So I want you to talk about pet peeves. Now this could be a pet peeve about something uh, that either coaches do, skill guys do that you see that drives you crazy, or programs that are out there that drive you crazy. And I'll I'll start. I've got two. <laughs> I'll start with and I'll start, I'll give you one and then I'll let, let you go. Um Derek, uh, you go first. But the first one for me is four-on-four full ice or three-on-three full ice that a lot of parents sign their kids up for. And it drives me nuts that they do it on full ice. And there's a reason that we have small area games during games to develop skills and touches. And you should be playing cross ice three-on-three. I don't care if you're 18 or if you're – whatever, you should be playing three and three in a smaller area than you're used to, to develop that skill. I, I watched some of these games where it's four and four on the full ice and you got seven and eight year olds on the ice and one kid skating to the end, takes a shot and the other kid skates all the way back. So that's one of my pet peeves that parents are just wasting money on. And we can talk about spring hockey all, all as a different aspect, but Derek, can you speak to something uh, that sort of drives you crazy when you see it? Well, I guess if we're going from all aspects, as a coach now, a pet peeve for me is you're sitting there trying to explain a drill and you just have some kid that's just looking up in the stands, just wondering what's going on up there, who's the person walking the track. And I've been there. I When I played, sometimes my attention span wasn't where it needs to be. But now that I'm on the other side, it's like, am I really not that interesting? You can't just listen to me for four seconds here, but I guess that's me. I have to work on my delivery a little bit and uh, make sure I'm emphasizing the the right points. So um, that's one thing that I guess it kind of uh, makes you a little peed off, but uh, it happens. I've been there too. So it's all right. Anyone who's ever coached has had that, man. At least I had it a lot when I was coaching. (laughs) I guess it means you're not doing your job correctly if they're not interested, right? I heard an interesting strategy there is to get people to listen is one guy said he talked really low, like he wouldn't raise his voice at all. And it kind of made everybody pay attention because if they didn't hear it, you know, if he, if they couldn't hear him, then they wouldn't know the drill or whatever. So like his strategy was just to talk at normal level. It was interesting. That was was one of the things I, I ended up doing when I was coaching was I started, I put, you know, like the, um, the, the practice plans, I would blow them up onto big full sheets of paper. So like big full scabs and I would put them on the, on the bench and I draw them all out ahead of time so that I would go over with the team in the dressing room. And then when we were on the ice and you pull them in to explain a drill, instead of drawing it, I could just point at it and I'd have the explanation. And most of them would see when they're getting water, they'd read it ahead of time, but it, it allowed for me to go faster, but it also was easier to look them in the eye and make sure they're watching and paying attention. Because <laughs> when you're looking down at the board, drawn and then we got you know a 14 year old looking up in the stands to see who what girls are walking the track upstairs <laughs> it's nice to have that ability but anyways well i'm sure if you i'm sure if you texted them the practice plan they'd understand though oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> and take a look at their text and get it for sure that's a great long, point. good point smitty <laughs> long longs give me a pet peeve oh it's funny being on the development side you, you get uh, very particular and you, you know you 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 see a lot of things and there's a lot of little pet peeves that I see, but for me is just information that's being passed off to the kids. That's just, in my opinion, you know, not correct. Um, seeing, seeing stuff on the development side where there's, there's no correction that it's just like we talked about before getting from point A to point B as fast as you can. Um, you know, especially with these, uh, you know, with any level, but especially with elite kids and it just, just creating the bad habits through just just saying go and having no correction. That's probably one of my big big problems. Mike, do you have one you want to add? Oh, um, I'm on the spot here. 
I can give you a sec to think. Yeah, about give it, me a sec a here. One. I got another good one. So I, I've had, I've seen it where, first of all, for NCAA scholarships for girls and boys, for parents to know, there are full scholarships available by a number of schools. The Ivy League schools do not offer scholarships. There are people out there telling people that you'll get a scholarship at an Ivy League school. That is not true. There's no. a fun, it's a financial aid situation where they evaluate how much you make. So, yes, it costs about 80000 Canadian to go to Princeton or Harvard. You may end up having to spend $20,000 for them to go to Harvard, which is a great deal. Don't get me wrong. But it's not a scholarship, whereas you could go to – Notre Dame and on a full ride and everything is paid for. So that's the one difference. These schools also offer um, hockey schools. And there are people out there that are skill providers that are providing, saying to their kids, I got you into this hockey school. It's very elite. This is how you're going to get a scholarship. When really it's another hockey school that they may have an inside to get you in. So before it gets full, so you're still paying for it and it doesn't give you an inside track to getting a scholarship. So a lot of these are marketing tools that people are using out there to get their, you know, to pull these kids in and to sort of lock them into their little group or their little bubble. So they continue to work with these skill providers. So don't get sucked in by marketing thinking that it's going to be, take your kid to the next level. You're going to find these, these schools will contact you. They will find you. They will talk to your coach. That's who will get you there. It's not going to be through a hockey school. It's not going to be through some of these skill providers. So you, you, you pay, you can go. <laughs> exactly. If you can pay for it, you can go to these schools. I can get you into a Harvard hockey school tomorrow. No problem. Gotcha. Just got Mike, so, you got one? Yeah. Okay. So this going back to, I've been at a, uh, the, the coaching and stuff for a while, but one thing that I always, it, it annoyed me around minor hockey and as they got older and stuff is people kind of saying, well, you know, it, you're not going to the NHL, so it doesn't matter. Right. And you're going, well, a, we're playing in Sterling. It, it clearly not many kids were going to, if they were going to the NHL, they were going to a higher level before they were done in Sterling. But I, I'd always say, well, it, it, there's, it's worth being as good as you can be in minor hockey, even just for the sake of doing that. Like even if minor hockey is the extent of your experience in hockey, it's worth having fun. It's worth doing it well. It's worth improving your skills regardless of the, if there's an end goal to, to make money at, yeah, most 99% of people aren't going to make money ever doing it, but that doesn't make it, it doesn't mean it's not worthwhile putting the effort in and just in, in getting engaged in the whole experience, which can be a lot of fun as parents, as, as kids, as the whole thing can be fun, regardless of you going, how far you go in hockey. It's so true. That's such a great point because, you know, like I, I, I say it all the time, tell kids, chase it as hard as you possibly can. And, you know, why not you? Why can't you get there? And if you don't get there, all the benefits that come out of being playing hockey, you know, and, and I'm talking about playing not just rep, I'm playing house hockey. Like stay and play, become the best house league player you can eat. It's okay. Like, because at the end of the day, 99% of us are going to end up playing beer league. And it's really nice to at least have the skill set to be able to play in a better beer league with a bunch of guys until you're 60, 70 years old. You know, um, there's not a better feeling than going out for a few pints after a hockey game with guys that you, you like hanging around with. So, you know, all those things that it the benefits that it adds to your life. Um, and then all the, you know, work ethic and all those things that we all talk about constantly about what hockey brings to the table. Why not chase it? You know, I, I'm with you, Mike. I hate hearing people say, well, you're not going to show why, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you spending money? I used to think about the amount of time I spend in the car driving with my kids to hockey was some of the best quality time I had with my kids. Like when, so true. when, when Derek's point about the phone is, is a good point. Like when can you peel your kids off the phone and get their for an hour? Well, you can get it in the car on the way to a hockey game. It's pretty good. So and just like another point about of just kind of chasing the dream and, and staying involved in the game as long as possible is, you know, as you get older, we all say, you know, time goes by fast, but I mean, being part of a team is probably one of the best feelings you'll ever, ever uh, feel in life. Like just being able to, whether it's house league in Adam or in midget or juvenile or pro or 
as long as you're involved in a team, you know, there's something bigger than just your performance and just how you feel. And to be part of something special, whether it's a winning team or just being out there with your buddies on a Monday night beer league, it is fun to be around guys that all have the same goal. And, you know, it makes, it makes a big difference because, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, if you're, if you're self-employed or if you're working from home, you know, you don't get a chance to interact with people with the same mindsets and the same qualities as you. So, you know, if you can stay involved in the game as long as possible, it's, it's going to make life a lot more enjoyable. And that's realistically what life is about. It's about family and, and having as much fun as possible and, and, you know, trying to cherish the moment. Such a great point. Goes back to our, our very first episode. We had a young Jack McFarlane on talking about <laughs> That's awesome. It's his first year of hockey and scoring. He described his goal. It sounded like Chris Cuthbert doing the play by play, but he, uh, you know, he was more excited about his buddies playing with them and hanging out with them in house league hockey. It was just great to hear that the joy that, you know, everything you just talked about, it's fantastic. So, so I, is there anything else you guys want to talk about with, with regards to development? Anything specific, Longs, you want to touch on? No, no I think we, we, we hit a lot of points. Um, you know, I, I'm very passionate about uh, development. I can talk about it all day long, and I love working with the players, uh, you know, at all levels. And, um, you know, I, I think this is a great episode just to kind of, you know, make, have, make people aware of, uh, of do the right things. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of development choices uh, to, to uh to get involved with and so sometimes just getting on the ice and it is good enough for some people, but, um, you know, really if you're pursuing, you know, it, for, for me, I, I go back to the point of, uh, Hey, Mike uh, had said about, you know, don't kill the dream for the kids. Cause it, it could happen to anybody. They, you know, you put the work in and you do the right things and you know, who knows what could happen, but um, you know, with uh, with regards to development and you want to get better and you want to pursue the game and be the best that you can be at any level that you're out from house league to triple a and, and, and beyond is, you know, just make sure you're, you're, you're doing the, doing the right things. And you know, the, the, the old uh, you know, slow to slow to, to start and you know, or slow things down to speed things up. I always say, you know, it, it doesn't, you always, you don't always have to be out there racing around a hundred miles an hour to get better, better, better off to slow things down, do it correctly, properly. And you will evolve to be a much better player in the long run. That's a great points. Uh, I keep telling them Monday nights to slow things down, but it doesn't, uh, I don't seem to be able to speed up ever. <laughs> But well, there gets a point where that's all there is. Slow it down. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, but speaking of uh, not really slowing down, I don't know if you guys have been watching much of the NHL playoffs. I, I'm just amazed at the speed that those guys are playing at right now, and um, you know how how the skill set from the time. I know, like you know, Derek, you've been out of the game from playing pro less than four years now. Um, you know how much has it changed since you even played? Like, and, and Chris, you're probably what, 10 years out of it now, but it's, it's almost a different game. Can you speak to that at all there? Yeah. It's the amount of work that guys are putting in and specific, like specific work and, and uh, really having a growth mindset in the summers of having a plan as soon as the season's over about what they want to do and what they need to work on. The teams are doing a good job of coming up with plans individually and, the kids are making, or the young men, I guess, in, in the NHL now, are they're making such big strides over the summer that when they come in in training camp, they're a new player every single season. And, you know, they're so fast. The skill level is unbelievable. And you can really tell in these playoffs here of which guys took the four months off. And instead of just, you know, not knowing if they're going to start again and, and giving it some time to, you know, just kind of relax and, and stay safe. There were some guys that put a lot of time in, whether it was on the ice, they were in areas that had ice the whole time, or, or they were working out hard and taking care of their bodies because Quinn Hughes and um, Kale McCarr, those guys, it looks like they just went up a whole nother level. So, and you know, they're rookies this season. It looks like they're in their fifth year when this playoffs came along. And it's just the, the amount of time and preparation that these guys are putting in right now is, is through the roof and it, it pays dividends because the game is so fun to watch right now. The skill level is unbelievable. And as fans, I mean, we can't ask for really anything better. You never know when 
a one on four is going to turn into a highlight real goal just because, you know, the skill level is, is so awesome. It's, it's fun. Even the old dogs, like they talked last night about Pavelski taking the break seriously and dropping a few LBs and, and gaining an extra step during the pause. So, you know, he's a guy who looks so much better than last year. Even it's, it's impressive. So yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. What well, have you, you, know, you, you look at the, the national hockey league now and like, like, like Smitty had said, you know, the skill level and the preparation of these guys, like there, there's no time off. These guys, you know, as soon as the season's done, they're back at work again, you know, maybe they'll take a weekend or a week off, but they're right back at it. But to go back, you know, just thinking about this now, um, you know, from a few points ago and talking about, uh, Mike, you had brought up the point of, you know, this being a season of just strictly development and working on skill. And, you know, I think we got to be careful with that too, because you see all these players, um, you know, at all levels, you know, the, the OHL level, you come in, the guy jumps on the ice, he grabs a puck and he's doing all these tricks with, and the skill level is through the roof. Um, you apply it now to a game situation where there's traffic and all of a sudden that player disappears because, you know, they're, they're just working strictly on skill set. And it's, um, I, I think it's really important as a, as a skill provider um, is to bring in the game situation and battles within that skill too, because, you know, like you said, all these guys have got tremendous skill, but how can they apply it to a game? You see these guys at the NHL level with a high end skill and how they apply it to game situations with traffic. It's amazing. Yeah, and now do you yeah, think, always, sorry, I, I was just going to ask, cause like I've got a couple of smart guys on the line here. I'm seeing these D men like Makar and whether it be Klingberg, Heisken and uh, Hughes, these like we're seeing, a, it seems a lot higher, more the skill got like the skill, like in terms of really quick hands and passing and stuff like that on defensemen than we've seen in the past. Like, is that position changing? Like, are you guys seeing that? Yeah, I think so. I think that, like, the perception when we were growing up and being younger was your best players, you want them to be centermen. You want them to score goals because, you know, growing up, everybody wants to score goals. But now when you think about it, when you put it in perspective, when you're a defenseman in minor hockey, you're going to get the puck a lot more than you would as a forward because the play is always in front of you have a better chance to make an impact in the play every time you're on the ice. So I think over the last 10 years or so, it's really changed where, you know, some of the, the most skilled players and, and most talented players at young age started in D and they stayed there instead of moving up to maybe forward as they got older. And, and now the game is just so offensive and so fast. And the guys are spending so much time, on you know on, on trying to get better whether it's on the ice off the ice or in video sessions that these guys like you see Shea Theodore right now like two years ago you he's a pretty good defenseman now he's going to be a Norris trophy candidate for the next 10 years like the way he can he can control the play every time he has the puck you know it, he can turn a, a puck below his own goal line into an offensive chance in three or four seconds just with a quick move and a good escape and a, and a heads up pass up the ice so yeah, the, the way that the, the, the defensive position has transformed in the last, you know, five years from just being a, you know, a defenseman who gets his points just getting shots through on the power play and walking the line and, and keeping it simple that way to now knowing when to pick your spots, when to jump in the rush and not always trying to overcomplicate it, but now being able to have the skill set to, to win your one-on-one battles below your goal line and jump in the rush every time and win battles on the offensive line and get shots through, it's, it's amazing. About 15 years ago, Smitty, they, um, the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation um, went did a whole um, sort of white paper on Nick Lidstrom, and they said, how can we create another Nick Lidstrom or 100 more Nick Lidstroms? And they, they analyzed all of his skill sets that he has, and then they broke down all the, you know, how to develop those skills, and they provided it to their coaches. And they started developing – more defensemen than everyone else. You started to see, you know, the Eric Carlson started to come and all these guys. And it kind of woke up everyone here to your point where, you know, if I got a, uh, you know, a novice team, I've got my three best players. I'm going to put one of my three best players on the defense so I can get the puck to those other two guys instead of having my three best players all play center. And I think that's starting to happen a lot in minor hockey where you, you are getting those guys and you're developing these, these, 
skilled players that that are on the back end that can move pucks and and you know change the game just from the back end and it makes in turn it makes the forwards better because they're getting more pucks to them so yeah it's it's true it's funny how the game's changed it used to be you know it's kind of the slower kids or the bigger kids just get thrown to, on defense when we were kids <laughs> and the small guy went and goal that. go ahead yeah, yeah. that's that's good 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 spot back there that never changes <laughs> You, now you got to be six. You got to be six, six, and you're like that sumo wrestler there. Yeah. Fill the net. I never would have been a goalie <laughs> nowadays. To, to the point of the defenseman, though, you watch NHL games. You watch uh, you know, any of the junior games. A lot of the offense now is created um, just by the defense. Like there's no oh, longer man. just those three on two odd man rushes. It's it's a four on three, or it's a four on two, or five on three. And defense, a lot of the times, are leading the rush. You'll see two defensemen up uh, leading the uh, the offensive rush, and you know it, it's great to see that uh, you know they're jumping into holes and they're you know just how smart these players are and how um, you know not only are they skilled, you know, but understanding you know, when to jump in. Like Derek said, you know these defensemen are uh, you know, they're not just big slugs back there, just uh, you know cross checking guys in front of the net in the D zone anymore. They're <laughs> They're leading the rush and creating offense. It's uh, it, it's it's really amazing to watch. And that's not a slight of Hal Gill if he's happened to be listening to the podcast. Right <laughs> he's an avid listener. <laughs> Skillsy, sorry, we're not talking about you. Right. <laughs> so Eric Eric Stahl just got traded to Buffalo. Breaking news here on the podcast to uh, for Marcus Johansson. Comments? Wow, all that. Is that a one-for-one one trade, or was there any uh, <laughs> players or cash retained or anything, or is it just a straight-up hockey deal? It looks like it's straight up. I'm just uh, checking it out. You don't see that very often. No. no. Well, it's funny. You, you talk about the cash deals and stuff and movement of some of these players there. A lot of these teams, they were, you know, I, I was just listening to I was just listening to one of the podcasts, and they were talking about, the salary cap of where it is, obviously it's not going up. A lot of teams are going to be trending below the salary cap in the low 70 million uh, cap range. So teams are going to be dumping off some salary. Yeah, that's true. It is going to be a really interesting off season for, for that. Cause yeah, there's going to be a lot of just financial moves, uh, let alone skill moves. I, um, I just one last thing I want to touch on before we go, Chris, while we got you, um, we can't let you go without having a little uh, Frontenac talk. Um, you've got, you know, obviously the draft is coming up here on the 6th and 7th of October. Um, can you speak to uh, some of the kids? I know you got Zade Wisdom who's getting a little bit of buzz. Um, some other kids that you've got, I think you have two or three that should probably get drafted this year. And, and then also, obviously, I'd like to ask you, you know, how good actually is Shane Wright? What do you think he's going to be? So a couple of questions there. Yeah, well, there's there's really three on the block right now that uh, potentially could get drafted. There, um, uh, Martin Chromiak, uh, he's, been, he's been trending anywhere from a late first round to early second round pick. He came and joined us last year, kind of mid-season, right after Christmas time, and um, you know, he, uh, he came in and started off real strong and, uh, you know, different schedule. And he, he, you could see, he got a little tired towards the, uh, you know, the, well, before the shutdown of the season, just because of the, the, the heavy schedule and the travel, um, that, uh, he wasn't quite used to, but real high end player. Um, he's an exciting player can shoot the puck as you know, high IQ for the game. And Zade Wisdom, uh, just a tenacious player. He's going to, you know, he's really put himself on the radar. Um, you know, he could be a guy, you know, here as high as second, third round. And, you know, it's a great accomplishment from where he came from uh, his first year. Um, but he'll definitely be a draft pick. And, uh, you know, he's just a tenacious player on the puck and, uh, you know, a great stick, you know, just almost like a lacrosse player. He's picking, picking uh, pucks up uh, off of uh, – just broken plays and creates offense. But, uh, you know, another one, we, we've got a defenseman. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a late bloomer, uh, uh, Murray. And he, uh, you know, he's, he's had an up and down season for us last year, but you know, there's a lot of potential and, you know, people sometimes get down on him. but, you know, here you are in a league 
and he's only a 17 year old uh, player. Um, you know, he just finished up his second season. The expectations were so high that uh, I think there was a little disappointment uh, with people, but I think as he grows and gets stronger, matures, he's really going to be uh, a kid that's going to uh, flourish. Shane Wright, um, as I said, the, the, the kid, the kids just, you know, kind of a freak of nature. He's, he's funny because he's, there, there's nothing that he's spectacular. He's not high end in, in, you know, it's not like he's got great hands. You know, he does shoot the puck well, but he's got a good IQ for the game. He's intense. Um, you know, he's got a great compete uh, level. Um, you know, I, I think we haven't even seen a, you know, where, where he's going to go. There's such a ceiling with him. And, you know, as a 16 year old or a 15 year old last year, um, you know, and scoring 39 goals and leading our team, being a threat every time he's on the ice offensively. You know, I, I just think we're going to see a whole new level from him this year. Um, just such an exciting player and, you know, a, a guy that's going to be you know, for the next two years here in Kingston is going to be very exciting to watch and just watch him grow and be that much better. He's going to be dominant this year. It's, it's uh, you know, that that's how good he is. But the funny thing is, is he doesn't do one particular thing. He is, you know, high high level he does everything really really well what's what's a good comparison for him is he uh is it is it a crosby or is it more of a, a shane doan or where, where do you see him you know what he reminds you, you watch the islanders barzell I, that that's who i watch and that's who i kind of you know kind of have I, I i see i see his game in in him there yeah it's not a bad comparison yeah, no kidding <laughs> that guy's yeah. been unbelievable I mean, he's no Griffin Reinhardt, but, you know, sorry. That's my Oilers uh, bitterness coming out. There was two picks there, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> just... who's, the, who's the other one? Oh, uh, I forget who they – I think it was Bovillier, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah. they could have had – yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's depressing. And, Smitty, just uh, before we let you go, just a little Dukes round out. We got some some young guys coming in. And who's, who's who are you excited about? That uh, that hopefully when we get back to playing, who's uh, who's going to do some damage this year? Oh, you know we got quite a few guys uh, coming from the local guys, the O fours, um, Cooper Matthews and Aaron Brown are, you know they're going to step in and have a, a really good chance to contribute right away. They both are people who put the work in both on and off the ice, and their development over the past couple of summers and in couple seasons have been been awesome. So. I'm excited for them. Uh, they have bright futures for sure. Um, they got a long, long time to go playing this game. So that's going to be fun to watch their progression throughout the year. And then um, just as we move up the lineup, um, I'm excited to see Barrett join. He's an 03, a 16-year-old that played for us last year. Jacob Rukenhill, um taking more of a leadership role this year. And hopefully uh, he can get off to a good start and, um, you know, start to work his way up to, you know, one of the more dominant power forwards and, and speedsters in the league. And then our captain, Ben Addison, um, you know, he's, he's a, he'd be a third year player and it's kind of a good story for everybody. He came to camp a couple years ago as, you know, we didn't really have any spots for him on the back end. Uh, you know, I didn't really know who he was. Drews, John Drews was a head coach then. And, and we weren't really sure where he would fit in. We had a couple D signed and he just came into the office one day and he says, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to play in Wellington. And it was, you know, a couple days into training camp. And we told him, Addy, we don't really have room for you. So you, you can go somewhere else and try out and, you know, um, see what happens there. But we, we don't have room for you. So, But if you want to stick around and try to make the team, you know, we can't take that away from you. And he didn't go anywhere else. And he showed up to the rink every single day. And then after three weeks of training camp, and, you know, he played his way onto the team. And, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those situations where, you know, if he didn't have that, that hard work mentality or, or really that go-get mentality, like, he wouldn't be here. And, and now he's our captain. He's blossomed to one of the better oh. defenders in the league and he's a leader. And, you know, um, it's going to be part of our leadership group this year and led by him to see if we can get back to where we were last year and try to bring a, a buck and cup to Wellington. Yeah. He's, he's such an inspirational story and, and he's, you know, for a guy who, like you said, was, was really a borderline player and developed into someone who probably has a good shot of getting a scholarship for this year. And, um, I hope that it works out for, for Benny and he's uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he's actually Brian Marchman's nephew and uh, Wayne Marchman's nephew. So there's some good bloodlines there as well. So hopefully he's not as dirty as those guys, but he's definitely, 
but he's got a pretty good hip check. Yeah, know. he does. That's yeah. a pretty high bar, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, Mike, you got anything left? I think nope, that's uh, that's good. Just uh, thank the guys for their time. I really appreciate this. this. Is great. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, boys. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was fun. This has been another episode of the Total Sports Quinty Podcast. If you have suggestions for local athletes to be featured or local sports you'd like to hear about, drop us an email, boqtotalsports at gmail.com. And on the socials, we're at boqtotalsports. And of course, check out our website, boqtotalsportsmagazine.ca. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.